following sermon, entitled The Wife's Christlike Submission to Her Husband, was preached on the evening of October 30th, 2022, at Hope Protestant Reformed Church in Redlands, California. If you enjoy listening to our sermons, we encourage you to come worship with us. For more information on upcoming service times and Bible study opportunities, please visit our website at hopeprc.org. Let's open God's Word this evening to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, we will read the first 11 verses and do so in connection with tonight's sermon, which will be on Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 24, and the very end of 33. But let's read from 1 Peter chapter 3, the first 11 verses. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise ye husbands, Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Thus far we read God's Word. Let's turn now to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. The text for this evening's sermon will be verses 20 through to 22 through 24 and the very last part of verse 33. Ephesians 5 verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Then verse 33, the very end, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Ephesians 4-6 through calls us as Christians to a gospel-driven life of service. 
I say these chapters call us to a life of servants, service to a certain Christian walk, because as we've seen in our series of sermons, Ephesians 4-6 through is filled with different commands, different callings telling us how we are to live as God's people. But I say this is a call to a Gospel-driven life of service, because Ephesians 4-6 through comes all these callings that are found in Ephesians 4-6 through come only after Ephesians 1-3, through which set before us the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. It's only after we've been reminded that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places that God's Word then comes to us with the callings that it does in the second half of this book. Within that context of setting before us the Gospel-driven life of service to our God, Paul, by inspiration, now transitions from general instruction to more specific instruction tailored towards specific groups. That is, thus far, the instruction has been general. It's been broad in its application. And by that I mean It applies to anyone and everyone in the congregation, whether young or old, whether male or female, does not matter what your position in the church is. Really, everything that's been said up until until this point was aimed at all of God's people. Starting at chapter 5, verse 22, Paul transitions to more specific application in that he's going to start addressing specific segments of the congregation, specific parts of the body of Christ. Whether it's wives, whether it's husbands, whether it's children, whether it's parents, whether it's servants, whether it's employers. Paul now has a word to guide each one of those groups, each one of those segments, in their respective callings. And that begins with the word that we consider tonight, the word to wives to submit to their husbands. And this is an important word for us as a church. This is an important word for us because of the many misunderstandings of this passage of Scripture. Whether it's the misunderstanding of feminism that views this calling to wives as demeaning and degrading. Whether it's the misunderstanding of a sinful husband who uses this passage to justify his sinful mistreatment of his wife. Or whether it's the the narrow conception of this passage that views it as teaching nothing more than that, well, in a marriage, the husband has the final say in the difficult decisions. And that's what it means for a wife to submit that she listens in those cases. There are many misunderstandings. And those misunderstandings need to be corrected. We need a proper understanding of this passage because only when we understand the meaning of it properly will we ever apply it in the proper way. So the misunderstandings make this important. But in addition, this passage is important for us because of the importance of marriage. 
that marriage is important comes out from the, the structure, the order of these specific applications that Paul is now turning to. When he comes to the specifics, he does not start with the parent-child relationship. He does not start with the employee and employer relationship, but he starts with the relationship between a husband and a wife. He starts with marriage. Teaching us about the importance of healthy marriages. And we will have healthy marriages only when we apply God's Word and live according to His own design, His purpose for marriage, which includes this calling that comes especially to wives. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So this evening we consider Ephesians 5, verses 22-24 through and the end of verse 33 using as our theme the wife's Christ-like submission to her husband. First, we will look at the calling. Second, at the reason for this calling given in the text. And then third, the strength to live according to this calling. The clear calling of the text is the beginning of verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own Husbands, this is God's Word for all the married women of the church. And it's important that we put it that way. But this is God's Word because the wicked world hates this idea of wives submitting to their husbands. The wicked world looks at this passage and says, well, that's outdated. That's the opinion of a bachelor named Paul who has no clue what he's talking about. And this is true especially of that movement called feminism, which is about more than calling for women's rights. It's about overthrowing the traditional, that is to say the biblical view of the place of a woman in the church and in the home. Feminism says this word of wives to submit, that's degrading. That's demeaning. This is a, a hindrance to gender equality. This only promotes abuse towards women. That's the view of the wicked world. They hate this passage. And it would be one thing if it was just the wicked world. But the problem is the spirit of the world so readily creeps into the church and can become the spirit of the church. And that can happen because the reality is all of us want to be able to do what we want when we want. Not one of us likes by nature being under the authority of another. And thus there's a temptation for the married women of the congregation to allow the, the world around us to influence us to start thinking like the world that this idea of submission is a, a bad thing. And that's why it's important to establish this is God's own Word for the wives of the church. God's Word in Ephesians 5, verse 22 is wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That is, 
subject yourselves to Him. Yield yourself to Him. That's the idea. Place yourself under Him voluntarily and willingly. And the Apostle Paul is not content to say it just once, but really he repeats it. Verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And then again in verse 24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be, and the clear idea is, be subject to their own husbands. And now not only does he repeat it in this passage, but this is the Word of God to the married women that we find all throughout God's Word. This is the Word we find in Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Titus 2, verse 5 says to young women that they are to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. And that word obedient is the same word that's being used here in Ephesians 5 so that the idea there is be submissive. And this is the word that we read in 1 Peter 3, verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. So we've made clear this is God's Word. But now how are we to understand this? What does this mean? What is the calling for wives? Well, to help us understand what it does mean, it's helpful to begin with the negative. What this does not mean. And therefore, how this is not to be applied. When God's Word comes to wives and says, submit yourselves to your husbands, that does not mean that she is a slave. That she's to be viewed that way or treated that way. She is not a piece of property. Nor does it mean that the wife has no voice in the marriage. That the husband is the one who's to do all the thinking for her and that she never has the opportunity to voice her opinion or to express her ideas. That's not the idea. Nor is this in any way saying that the wife is never to use to develop her gifts, her abilities. This is not hindering creativity on the, wife, on the part of the wife. Nor is this passage teaching in any way, shape, or form that women, that wives, are inherently inferior to their husbands. That is the view of some cultures and some religions that the, the women in a people group don't have the same worth as a man, that they are inherently inferior, but that's not the teaching of Scripture. Because Scripture teaches us already at the outset in Genesis 1, verse 27, that God created both man and woman in His own image. And what is more, when it comes to redemption, there's no distinction. For Galatians 3, verse 28 teaches us, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And what is more, there's the passage we read in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3, verse 7, which teaches us that husbands and wives are both fellow heirs of the grace of life. So that this passage is not teaching that 
women are somehow inferior, that they do not have the same level of worth as the husband in a marriage or as men in general. That's not the idea. So if that's not the idea, what then is the positive? How are we to understand this? Well, in preparing the sermon, I will confess to you, there was a part of me that wished I could take a poll of the congregation and ask not only the wives, but also the husbands, what is your understanding of the calling of wives to submit to their husbands? What does that look like? And I, a part of me wished that I could take such a poll because I wonder whether as a congregation we have too narrow of a view of what this means. And by that, I mean that perhaps some of us think that this calling means nothing more that in a marriage, when there's some difficult decision that has to be made, that the husband say is final and that the wife then has to obey that decision, whatever it may be, And that's really all this passage is talking about. Perhaps that's your understanding. If it is, it's not wrong altogether. But it's not the whole of it. It's not even the main part of it. Because when this word comes to wives and calls them to submit to their husbands, the idea is that a wife is to take all of her gifts, all of her abilities, her resources, her energy, and use them to help her husband in whatever calling God has given to him, including including the calling to be the head and leader of the home. In other words, this is the exact opposite of a wife living for herself in a marriage. The calling to submit is the exact opposite of a wife taking all of her gifts, her abilities, her resources, her energy, and using them for the sake of her own interests or the sake of her own advancement. Whether it be pursuing hobbies or whether it be pursuing a career. This is the exact opposite of a wife living in the same home as her husband but really living independently from Him and really just doing her own thing. Worrying strictly about herself. Because the idea of submission is that a woman places herself voluntarily, willingly under her husband. She recognizes Him as the head and the leader. And she now yields herself to His management in the good sense of the word so that she uses those gifts, those abilities, her resources, her time, her energy to help her husband fulfill whatever calling God has given to him and to help him in his leadership of the home. That broader understanding I believe is more biblically faithful then just it's a matter of who has the final say in the difficult decisions. And I'd like to demonstrate that from Scripture. For Scripture does interpret Scripture. 
And if we're going to understand Ephesians 5, verse 22, and the calling of wives to submit, well, then we look to the rest of the Word of God. And what do we see in the rest of the Word of God? Well, we have the instruction in Genesis 2, verse 18. Genesis 2, verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. A help meet that is a suitable helper. That's part of God's purpose in giving husbands wives so that they have a, a helper. Someone to assist them. Someone to lend their support to their husband as he goes about whatever calling God has given to him. And she's to do so as one who's suited, one who's fit for that role. This is also what we see when we look at a passage like Proverbs 31, verses 10 and following. There we have the description of the virtuous woman. And what we find is not just someone who's listening to her husband when he makes a final decision, but we have a woman who is busy. She is active. She is hard at work. But not for herself. For as the end of Proverbs 31 makes clear, She's doing all this in the service of her home, the service of her family for the sake of her husband and the children that God has given them together. She's using her gifts, her abilities, her time, her energy, her resources and pressing them all into the service of the family and of the home. This idea is also evident when we take that word to submit and see how it's used elsewhere in Scripture. For example, this same word submit is applied to servants with respect to their masters. That is, employees with respect to their employers. And uh, the calling of an employee is more than that, well, when your boss makes a decision, you listen to him. But the calling of an employee is to, to use his time on the job, his abilities for the promotion of his employer, for the advantage of his employer. And now what clinches this broader understanding of the biblical idea of submission is what we are taught here in verse 24 of the passage where we have a comparison. Verse 24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. There's a comparison between how the church is to submit to Christ and how wives are to submit to their husbands. And how does the church submit to Christ? By living for Him. With loving service, using their whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. The church submits to Christ by seeking the advancement of Christ's kingdom and His cause. She seeks to do His will, devoting herself to His purpose, to His task. And so, a wife is to submit to her husband using her gifts and abilities to help the husband with whatever purpose God has given to him, whatever task God has for him. That's the idea here. Now you recognize that what we might call, what we have been calling that narrow view fits in that. 
Because the biblical idea of submission does certainly include that when it comes to some difficult decision that has to be made in the home, in the end, the husband's say is final. He seeks the input of his wife. He values her input. He wants to know what she thinks. But in the end, the decision is his. If there's a a difference in preference or a disagreement, and the wife does have the calling then to obey that decision, to listen to her husband. But that's just a part of the whole because it's not just a submitting of her will when it comes to making decisions, but a submitting of her whole person, placing her, her talents, her abilities, her, her resources, her energy, her time under her husband and using them all to help him. That's what it means for wives to submit to their husbands. Now, having explained the main idea, let's note four specifics, four particulars that this passage teaches us about that calling. First, notice this is a continual mandate. It's a mandate. For the language of the text is wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. It's it's put in the imperative mood. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not some option given. And therefore, this is not something that's conditioned upon your husband's talents, his level of education, or his income. This is not something that's dependent on whether He does certain nice things for you. It's calling from God Himself. And this is a continual mandate because the word submit yourselves unto your husbands, that verb is put in the present tense in the Greek language, which present tense is calling for continual, ongoing action. This is a continual mandate that comes to wives. Second, note that this calling is specific to your own husband. That's evident from the language in verses 22 and verse 24. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Verse 24, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And by those words, your own, their own, this passage is teaching us that this calling does not apply to any and every man that a woman may know. It's not the case that this Word of God comes to the women of the congregation and says, submit yourselves to all the men of the congregation. That's not the calling. But instead, it's to your own husband. It applies uniquely to him. Third, regarding this calling, notice this submission is to be extensive. Extensive. And I say that in light of the end of verse 24. So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Not some things. Not most things. Not when you feel like it. Not when it, it, it suits what you want. But in everything. This is to be extensive. And now certainly, if the husband is leading the wife, the family, down the path of sin, 
If that's the, the course he set for the family, well, that changes things. Because as Acts 5, verse 29 teaches us, if it's a matter of submitting to our God, doing His will, versus doing the will of some other, and those two things are opposed to one another while we're to obey God rather than to obey men. But even with that qualification in place, we have to be careful here as wives because that qualification applies only when what the husband is calling for, the direction he's leading the family is clearly sinful. Clearly against the Word of God. And even then, though the wife may not, must not obey her husband, she still must have a submissive attitude. She must still have what First Peter 3, verse 4 referred to, that is a meek and a quiet spirit. Even as she disobeys her husband if he's going in a sinful direction. But that qualification is not to be misused. It's not to be applied to things that are a matter of mere preference, but only to things that are a matter of sin versus obedience. So we're noticing some details, some specifics regarding this calling. We said first, it's a continual mandate. Second, it is specific to your own husband. Third, that this submission is extensive. And now fourth, and finally, note well that this submission is something positive. Not negative. The feminist movement wants us to believe, wants the wives of the church to believe, that this is something negative, that this is oppressive, that this is somehow demeaning to the women of the church, but that's not true. Because this is God's design, which is always good for His people. This calling is. This is good. This is honorable. In fact, it's when a woman's when a wife so submits herself to her husband that she finds true freedom. That there's there's flourishing in this way. To explain this, one author used the analogy of a train. A train is most free when it's confined to the tracks. That is, when it follows the course that's set out before. If you take a train off the tracks, it's worthless. It can hardly move at all. You put it on the tracks, it runs smoothly. It, there's freedom there. So it is for wives. It's by submitting themselves to their husbands that they find true freedom. Freedom to use their gifts, their abilities, their their energy, their resources, and use it all to promote the cause of their husband. To help him. When she tries to step outside that boundary, she's not going to prosper. But when she recognizes this is God's track for me, flourishing comes in that way. And that by itself is encouragement for the women, for the wives of the congregation. But while there is that encouragement, 
There's also the reason that's given in the text. The main calling is, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands rather than just leaving it as the calling all by itself. The Spirit leads Paul to give a reason for the wives to heed this Word. To state it simply, wives are to submit themselves to their husbands because the husband is her God-given head and thus submission to her head is a part of her submission to Christ. That's clear from verse 23. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church and He is the Savior of the body. Verse 23 makes clear the idea that the husband is the head of the wife. It it compares it to the position that Jesus Christ has relative to His church. And the idea of headship here is the idea of authority. The husband is the one who's given the position of leadership in the home and in the marriage. Now, this does not contradict what we said earlier that the wife is in no way inferior to her husband. That remains true. What we're saying is that God has structured marriage in such a way that He puts one of the married persons in a position of headship, of leadership, of authority, and He puts the other in a position beneath that person with respect to their relative authority. And do note, this is God's design for marriage. For after all, He created man first, Adam. And then after that, He took a rib out of Adam and built Eve. And from the very beginning, God had said, she's going to be a help meet, a suitable helper for her husband. So that from the very beginning, we see that God's Design for marriage is that the husband would be the head of the wife. And now what makes this important is that for the wives of the congregation, this then means that submitting to your husband is a part of submitting to Christ Himself. And that comes out at the very end of verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. As a part of your submission to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because Christ is the one who's head overall, not just of the church, but of the whole universe. He's the one who's been exalted to God's right hand, given a position of power and authority over everyone and everything. So that Christ now rules. And as a part of His rule, He's the one who brings a husband and wife together so that for wives, it's Christ Himself who has given you your husband and who has placed you under His headship, under His leadership, and therefore for a wife to submit herself to her God-given, Christ-given husband is a part of her submission, her obedience to Jesus Christ. And now recognize this is meant to make it easier for the wives. 
Because every wife here is married to a sinful husband. Every wife here has a husband who has his weaknesses and his quirks. And it's in light of that, that at times, no doubt, the wives of the congregation do not always feel like submitting themselves to their husbands. They may think that my husband is not worthy of my submission. Well, if that's the thinking, hear the word of Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Do it for Him. Do it for the One who so loved you that He was willing to die on the cross of Calvary for your sins and for mine as unto the Lord. Because He is worthy. Even if I think my husband is not worthy of my submission, Christ always is worthy. And because Christ is the One who gave you your husband and put Him in that position of headship and leadership over you, then even if you have to, as it were, look through your husband and just see Christ, you still submit to Him. And it's knowing this that a woman is to reverence her husband and thus to submit to him. That idea of reverence is a a part of the instruction here in verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular, husband, so love his wife even of himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. That is, she's to have a, a high regard for her husband. She is to esteem him, to honor him. To admire Him. And that comes from recognizing His God-given place in the marriage that God has designed. And it's only when as wives we recognize this is my God-given, my Christ-given head that we will ever reverence Him as we ought to and therefore submit ourselves to unto Him as a part of submitting to Jesus Christ. All of this is to say that the reason for women, wives, to submit themselves unto their husbands is because your husband is your head, your God-given head. And submitting to Him is a part of submitting to Christ. But now though the main word here is for the wives of the congregation, there is a word for the husbands. An important word that we do not misunderstand and thus misuse this passage. For though this passage says about us who are husbands that we are the head of our wives, that does not justify or give us license to rule our wives as tyrants. It's not what the text is saying. There is in this passage of Scripture no justification whatsoever to be abusive toward our wives 
to be manipulative of them, to be cruel or domineering in our relationship as husbands and wives. There's no justification here for husbands to treat their wives like a slave girl. Making unreasonable or inappropriate demands and requests. There's no justification for a husband to nitpick his wife. To be constantly critical of her. Nor is this passage saying that well, because she's supposed to use all of her time, her abilities, her energies, her resources to, to help the husband. Well, that means she's the one who has to do all the work. I'm the one who earns the income and then everything else, that falls on her and then we justify a sinful laziness. This passage is not teaching us that. And it's important to state this because sadly, in the church, men have sometimes used this passage as a club against their wives. And that ought not be. For notice, this passage is addressed to wives. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. The text does not say. Husbands, see to it that your wife submits. That's not the teaching of the text. The text is not allowing for a husband to use force or manipulation to make his wife submit. That's not the word to husbands. But as husbands, we are to model and to reflect the headship of Jesus Christ. That's what this passage says to husbands by way of implication when it says what it does in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Husbands, model, reflect the headship of Jesus Christ. And that includes on the one hand, loving them, caring for them, and defending them. Because did you notice what the Spirit adds at the end of verse 23? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. And now that's not just a a random insertion reminding us that Jesus Christ is our Savior, but it's telling us that from a certain point of view, the, the husband as head is to be the Savior of his wife. Obviously not in the sense that He's going to atone for her sins. But He is to be her Savior in the sense that He's lovingly interested in her welfare. That He cares about her. That He's doing everything He can to defend her, to protect her. And not just from others, but from His own sinful nature. This passage is not, therefore, promoting abuse. It's not justifying the mistreatment of wives, but by way of implication, it's clearly calling husbands to 
love their wives, to care for them, and to defend them. That, on the one hand, is a part of modeling, reflecting the headship of Jesus Christ. The other part of it, for husbands, is that we are to lead our wives in the right direction and thereby make it easy for them to submit. How does Christ lead His church? He leads her in the right direction. He, he leads her according to the, the truths of God's Word. And so it is to be for husbands. So that the ideal that Scripture paints us, the, the model is for the godly husbands in the congregation to say, as for me and my house, we all will serve the Lord. That is, as a family, all of us are going to use all of our gifts, all of our abilities, all of our energy, all of our resources, all of our time to serve our Savior Jesus Christ. That's the direction of this home. That's the way we're going as a family. And when as husbands we say that's the direction we're going to lead, we are thereby making it easier for our wives to submit. Because when we lead in that direction, the primary calling that comes to every Christian, including our wives, to serve Jesus Christ, now coincides perfectly with the calling to submit. And that the husband is saying, our main purpose, our main task as a family, as a home, is that we are going to serve Jesus Christ. Husbands, we are to lead in that way. Lead in the direction that your wife is going to want to follow according to that new life that Christ has worked in her heart. Don't lead her in the direction that she wants to go according to the old man of sin with her. her. Lead her in the direction that as a fellow heir of the grace of life, she wants to go as she seeks to serve her Savior Jesus Christ. So there's a word to husbands. But is there not then also a word to the single members of the congregation? Does this passage not underscore the importance of marrying in the Lord? Young people, as you look for a spouse, Remember that this is a part of God's Word for how you are to live in the bond of marriage. And that means for the young women of the congregation. Knowing God's Word comes to you once you're married and says, submit yourselves unto your husbands. It's so crucially important that you find a husband who's going to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's going to be the direction of our home so that for you young women, there's no contradiction between the calling to submit and the calling to serve your Savior Jesus Christ. And for the young men, remember, you're going to be called to be the head of the home, but remember too that whoever your wife is, she is the calling to submit herself to you when you say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if you... Marry a woman of the world, 
she's going to buck against that. She's going to want nothing to do with that direction and she's not going to submit herself to that. So though the primary word is for the wives and by implication for the husbands, there is a word for the single members of the church. Marry in the Lord. But now we need to get back to that main word. Main word is wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. Why? Because he's your God given head. But now, as every wife knows, this is not so easy. It's not so easy even for the wives who have godly husbands. And it's especially not easy for any wives who have a less spiritually mature husband. So where then as wives are you going to find the strength to heed this word? How are you ever going to do this? The strength comes from Jesus Christ. That is, the strength comes from the only One who ever submitted Himself perfectly to another. For the clear testimony of Scripture is that Jesus Christ did submit Himself to the will of His Father. That was prophesied of Jesus Christ in Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8. The psalmist putting words into the mouth of the coming Messiah then said, I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. And Christ Himself made very clear during His ministry that He is the fulfillment of that. For Christ Himself would say to His disciples in Luke 22, verse 27, but I am among you as He that serveth. Christ did not come to be served by others, but He came Himself to serve, to give His life as a ransom for many. Express the same idea in John 4, verse 34. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent Me and to finish His work. Again, John 5, verse 30. I can of My own self do nothing. Listen to that again. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. And all of this is summarized for us in that grand statement in the book of Philippians. Philippians 2, verses 6-8, through which says about Jesus Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation and took upon Himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. All this is to say that Jesus Christ submitted Himself perfectly to the will of the Father. He did not come living for Himself, seeking His own interests or His own advancement, 
but he came to do the will of the Father and to glorify the Father thereby. That is, Jesus Christ is the one who took all of his gifts, his abilities, his resources, his energy, his time, and he pressed it all into the service of God his Father. He placed himself under the will of the Father, even though that meant taking upon himself our sin and shame even though it meant enduring the wrath of God the entirety of His life and going to the cross of Calvary and bearing the full weight of that punishment against our sin. Jesus Christ submitted Himself perfectly to another. He was submissive even unto death. And now wives, consider what that means for you. It means that your submission is likewise to be patterned after His. That He is your example in this. And that's so important to state because when we read this passage, perhaps as wives we, see, we might wonder, well, my husband, his calling as a husband is clearly patterned after Christ, but... Does that apply to me? Because verse 25 is going to go on to call husbands to love your wives even as Christ loved the church. So that the connection between the calling of the husband is so obviously connected to the calling to what we see in Jesus Christ. But for wives, perhaps you're left wondering, well, I'm compared to the church, so does that mean my pattern is the, the sinful church that so often goes astray? Well, there is a comparison with regard to the headship of the husband and the calling to submit. But in that calling to submit, you still look to Christ as the one who submitted Himself perfectly. And it's in light of that that we then understand why the sermon has the theme that it does. The wife's Christ-like Submission to her husband. But now that submission of Jesus Christ, I trust you all recognize, is far more than a pattern. It's far more than an example. Because His submission is our salvation. By His submission, He lived a perfect life of obedience that can be imputed to us as the basis of our justification. It's by His submission that He paid the debt for our sins so that our sins might be forgiven. His submission is our salvation. And therefore, His submission is the the motivation to now heed this Word as wives. It's out of gratitude for salvation that the wife says to her Lord and Master Jesus Christ, what shall I render unto Thee? For all the benefits You've given to me. And Christ says, if you love Me, keep My commandments. And one of My commandments for wives is submit yourselves to your husbands. And out of gratitude, the wife then has the motivation to heed this Word. But not just the motivation. She also finds the strength in Him. For of ourselves, we will never submit to another. 
As one passage in 2 Peter teaches us, we are all by nature self-willed. Therefore, of ourselves, we will never heed this Word. But in Christ, there is strength. Because Christ gives to each one of us His Spirit. So that we have the Spirit of Christ within us. So that we're given the mind of Christ. And thus given the humility, the strength, to submit ourselves to whomever God has placed over us, whether it's a wife submitting herself to her husband or any one of us submitting to any authority figure. So as we hear God's Word come to us, as it gives us callings, exhortations, we hear those callings with our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, knowing that because I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, I now want to heed this Word. And by His Spirit, He will give me the strength to live in this way. May God grant it for His glory. Amen. Father in Heaven, we thank Thee for Thy Word as it gives us clear guidance and instruction on really every area of the Christian life, including how we are to live in our marriages. Father, bless this Word unto our hearts and use it to strengthen the marriages in this congregation. For Father, the devil wants to destroy. He's ever attacking our marriages. And therefore, we pray that Thou wilt use this Word and apply it to our hearts so that as married couples, we reflect in a small way that far greater marriage between Christ and His bride, the church. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.